You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual Quickly, before we get to your calls, a couple of interesting sex stories in the news right now. Uh, Not talking about Roman Polanski, not talking about David Letterman. Actually, things I think are more interesting than Roman Polanski and David Letterman. Tufts University has proposed a rule that would make it against the rules, presumably, for people in dorm rooms to have sex while their roommates are in there, unless, of course, they're having sex with their roommates, basically illegalizing the coming back home to your dorm room with your date drunk and finding your roommate asleep and deciding to fuck in the next bed quietly, hoping your roommate doesn't wake up and hear. And, of course, when that happens, your roommate always wakes up and hears and then feels obligated to lay there pretending to be asleep lest they disturb you while you fuck. Uh, and apparently this is so harrowing and does such emotional damage to the roommate who has to pretend that they're asleep that Tufts is proposing to make it against the rules, which is, seems a bit retarded, frankly, retarded, frankly. Uh, because if you have any balls, excuse me, if you have any ovaries, what you do uh, uh, when that happens is you roll over and say, I'm awake. And if I'm not invited, take it somewhere else. It's, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning. Go find an empty bathroom on another floor. Or you negotiate. This is one of the skills you learn at university is negotiating uh, during incidents like this. You say to your roommate the next morning, I was awake and that was no fun. And I am traumatized and emotionally scarred and will be for the rest of my life. We need to work something out here. The whole, like scarf or you know tie on the doorknob or whatever or you can wake me up and send me away provided i can wake you up and send you away when it happens i just don't think that this is an area of our lives or an area of the students lives at tufts that needs to be regulated sometimes you just have to be thrown into the deep end of the pool and learn how to swim and the other interesting story that i don't know if it's going to get a lot of play uh gay marriage is legal now in texas Presumably. Well, not exactly gay marriage, but a federal judge threw out Texas's constitutional ban on same-sex marriage, scrapped it, said it was a violation of the due process clause of the U.S. Constitution uh, because there's a gay couple in Texas that was legally married in another state that's trying to get a divorce. And in Texas, they want to prevent this gay couple from getting a divorce because married gay couples are a threat to heterosexual marriages. So the state attorneys general in Texas is going to appeal this decision that would have ended a gay marriage to protect straight marriages from the existence of gay marriages. So these these two guys, to protect straight couples from gay marriages, have to stay married in Texas because gay marriage is a threat to marriage. Therefore, we're not going to let these two fags get a divorce. The mind of the fundamentalist Christian elected official in Texas. Who can fathom it? This episode is brought to you by DigitalDesire.com, the high-end erotic website that's a cut above the rest, featuring breathtaking girls from around the world, expertly captured in arousing and artistic videos and photos. Visit DigitalDesire.com slash savage today for a special trial offer. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to AudiblePodcast.com slash savage today for details. 
Hi, Dan. I'm a 22-year-old male from New Jersey, and I have a couple of questions. My first is regarding an ex. I, an ex. I had a pretty intense relationship with this ex, and she recently got engaged to somebody who's in the military. The thing is, every time this guy goes overseas, she calls me two or three months prior to him coming back, and we usually end up having a pretty intense physical and sexual relationship. The thing is, when this last happened, she started getting emotionally involved, and I also got emotionally involved, and she just abruptly stopped talking to me two or three days prior to him coming back to New Jersey. Um, my question is, what should I do next time that she calls me, texts me, or tries to hit me up? Because every time it happens, it always ends up the same way. We hook up, we end up having sex, and she just abruptly stops talking to me. And my second question is, what sh is there, uh, my second question is, can you point me in the direction of a community of tall women that are into short guys? See, I'm 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, and my ex is 5'11". And ever since I got with her, I have a thing for tall girls. And I don't really know where to go to find tall chicks. It's kind of hard for a short guy to meet tall chicks and get anywhere with that. So I'd appreciate any advice. Thank you. What should you do? Well, you're being used by this woman for sex. Do you want to be used by this woman for sex? you like being used by this woman for sex? Then you should answer her calls and texts when she calls and texts you and make yourself available to be used for sex. If you don't want to be used for sex and toyed with emotionally, don't answer her calls and texts. Ta-da! Sometimes the answer is just so obvious. I'm sure everyone was way ahead of me on that one. Now, as for the uh, communities of tall women who are into short guys, there may be women out there who are very tall, who are into guys who are very short. They're unlikely, however, to form communities, start websites. Uh, there are female fetishists out there, but they don't seem to have that same sort of herd instinct that male fetishists do. If there's a group of guys who fetishize anything, they will start a club and a, a chat, you know, they'll create a website with chat rooms and a community and they'll endlessly hash out and talk about their fetishes. Women, even female fetishists, just don't seem as likely to do that. So you can Google your little heart out and you're not going to find, you know, tallwomenintoshortguys.com uh, and uh, click into that website and find it teeming with uh, taller women. You're at a disadvantage in the dating pool because they're, most women want somebody who's, I think the average is an inch and a half taller than they are, but that's just most women. You just have to put yourself out there, identify the tall broads that you're attracted to and ask them out on dates uh, and, and see where it goes. But you're not going to be able to jumpstart the process by finding some mysterious online community full of women who've self-nominated as into short guys because no such online community exists. The tech-savvy average youth suggest that perhaps if there were such a community that they would be called giraffes the way, you know, older women and the younger men who are divorced have some money. They're cougars, another, uh, another female animal. The zoo giraffes would be tall broads into short guys. But, of course, there is no giraffes.com yet. Hi, Dan. I have a question. I'm a straight female in my mid-20s. Um, my ex-boyfriend and I broke up with each other about a year and a half ago. He's Christian and conservative, and I'm more liberal and agnostic. I'm willing to overlook most of these differences, although we do, did have occasional fights about them. But I couldn't overlook the fact that he told me that he thought I was going to hell. 
This is all I could think about, so eventually I had to end things. Since then, both of us have kind of been stuck. We are best friends and talk all the time. He really wants to get back together with me and says that he no longer wants to change me um, and accepts me as who I am. I love him, and part of me wants to get back together with him, but I still can't get over the whole him thinking that I'm going to hell thing, even though I don't believe in hell. Um, And I think about the idea of raising children who might also feel this way freaks me out. Every time I think about getting back together with him, I get a sick feeling in my chest, but at the same time, I think about him all the time and cry about us regularly and can't bring myself to consider dating anyone else. I don't know what to do, and I would really appreciate your help. I'm not comparing Christians to Nazis. Not quite. But, you know, sometimes there are issues. Sometimes there is an, what do they call them, irreconcilable difference. Some Being with somebody who thinks God hates you and is anxious to roast you on a spit in hell for all eternity because you don't believe in him or, as is often the case, don't believe in him in the exact same form or shape or praise him with the exact same rituals that your lover does. That's not somebody whose dick you can suck for the rest of your life. That's not somebody who deserves to have his dick sucked by you for the rest of his life. Someone who chooses the bigoted religion that their parents shoved down their throats over the people and the love that's right there in front of them is unworthy of your affections and your love and your time and your blowjobs. So I I hear you that, you know, but for this one little thing, but for his belief in an imaginary friend who hates you so much that he's going to peel the flesh off your bones with red hot pinchers in hell for all fucking eternity because you don't believe in the same God or the same or God at all the way he does. That's an irreconcilable difference. The difference being that he is a moron and you are not. And you have to move on. And he has other redeeming qualities and you love him for that. But you really can't get past this. You can't believe in the bullshit he believes in uh, insincerely to please him and he can't walk away from it. So it's over. And it's too bad. You know, oftentimes when a relationship ends because of this one thing, we look at all the things that worked about the relationship and go, oh, my God, you know, I'm very sad because I love this person for X, Y, and Z reasons. But, you know, there's that D, F, and G problem and we can't get past it. So I'm saying all you have to do is put yourself, put some distance between you and the Jesus freak if it's Jesus that is causing his freakery and not some other iteration of the higher power. And go fuck some other people. Go fuck some people with brains. Go find a local hot version of Richard Dawkins. And they're out there. And suck the spunk out of him. And do other things for him. And have him eat your pussy. And you know, the, the more layers of another man's saliva that you can shellac your body with, the sooner you will be over the Jesus freak. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible has over 35,000 titles to choose from to be downloaded and played back anywhere, just like the Savage Lovecast. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage to get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Available now, Glenn Beck's latest, Arguing with Idiots, How to Stop Small Minds and Big Government. I recommend this book if you want to strap somebody to, say, a bondage board in a dungeon and leaving it, leave it playing on the speakers uh, as a form of aural torture. 
you could you could get them to agree to, to consent to absolutely anything to make that stop. There are also books at audible.com by people who are not assholes and morons. And I recommend you download some of those too. Again, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage for your free audiobook download today. Hi, Dan. I'm a 23-year-old straight girl from California, and I'm calling to get some guidance from you. I'm currently in a relationship limbo with uh, a guy that I've been dating for the past six months. We met at the beginning of this year and hit it off very well. The thing that struck me about him um, is that he's somewhat of a master of the seduction arts. I know that sounds ridiculous, but look it up on the internet. I fancy myself kind of a seductress, a coquette, if you will. So we have a lot of similar interests in what makes the opposite sex tick, mostly, um, you know, how to get in their pants. So after having a casual sexual relationship with him for a few months, we decided to become exclusive. We have a lot of similar interests. Um, we have very good intellectual conversations. He's a, he's a great guy. So that worked out for a while, but I started to get ants in my pants after a while. Um, I still had guys calling me who I had had relations with um, in the past, and um, the temptation eventually got the best of me. During the time... Uh, that we met, I was also beginning to think that maybe I have a sexual addiction problem. So anyway, basically now my problem is this. I know this is someone with whom a serious relationship will never work, but I do still want to maintain a casual relationship with him. I also know that indulging in my adulterous desires is unfair and he would be hurt if he knew. I don't know if my sexual desires mean that I'm a sex addict and my addiction is leading to the destruction of my relationship or if I'm just a carefree chick who can't deal with the responsibilities that come along with having a boyfriend. So maybe I should just go back to being single and fucking whoever I want. I've always been able to separate my emotions from sexual experiences when necessary, and I feel that I've really gotten myself into a tough situation. I'm emotionally attached to this guy after spending months developing a relationship, but I still seek emotionally empty sex with other guys who I just want to fuck. I want my cake, and I want to eat it too. I was wondering if you could help me. It always kind of creeps me out when people use the phrase ants in my pants to mean horny because that just makes me feel like you have an infection, that you have bugs uh, near your genitalia, which isn't sexy. Ooh, I have ants in my pants. Eat my pussy. No. Oh, you have ants on your pussy. Why would I want to eat ants off your pussy? Do I look like an ant? Now, you present this as a choice between succumbing to your sex addiction or being single for the rest of your life. And I don't think that that's really the choice you have to make here. Uh, I don't even think this is a problem. You are not interested in monogamy. Do you know how many guys there are out there who are not interested in monogamy? You might even be with one now. For all we know, the dude you're with is playing the same game uh, on himself that you're playing on yourself in his head where he's thinking, oh, I have this monogamous commitment to her and I can't live up with to it. Maybe he's cheated on you already too and he feels like he feels trapped because this is what you want and this is what a serious relationship means is monogamy and blah, blah, blah. Be openly non-monogamous. You can have a boyfriend and cheap, meaningless NSA sex on the side and fulfill all your responsibilities to your boyfriend. If you're honest with him about who you are, what you want, what you're doing, you can find a guy who wants everything that you want, who wants the same deal 
that you want. You just have to be open and honest about it. And I recommend that you do that. And then you start with the guy you're seeing right now. Do you love the sensual beauty of a stunning nude woman? Then DigitalDesire.com is the destination for you, a high-end erotic website like no other. Digital Desire features breathtaking girls from around the world, expertly captured in arousing and artistic HD videos and high-resolution photos. Visit DigitalDesire.com savage today for your exclusive discount offer and an extensive free tour. A fresh new take on erotica awaits you. Dan Savage, I love your show. I need your help. I've always imagined myself calling you for something, and I've always prayed that it would not be for this reason. So, humbly and vulnerably, I say to you, Dan, I broke my cock. Here's what happened. I'm in a beautiful relationship about six months in. She and I are crazy about each other. The sex is some of the best I've ever had. Uh, A few weeks ago, we were on vacation on the coast. She and I came in from the beach, hopped in the shower to rinse off the salt water and sand, and out of nowhere, our genitals began to swell, and before we knew it, we were fucking. With me, I tend to use showers for foreplay, if anything. Um, My penis is uncut, tends to curve downward, and that makes it really awkward and sometimes difficult to have sex standing up. Of course, in the moment, that didn't really matter to me. Um, It was passionate and great, if a little awkward, for about 60 seconds. And then it got really uncomfortable. Uh, Not too painful, but I checked myself out, and something was bloody, and it turns out that the very small, fleshy bit that connects the underside of my penis to the foreskin inside... Uh, got torn a little bit. Um, A few weeks later now, I feel pretty humbled and increasingly frustrated. It's healed, but not completely. Uh, I haven't gotten it checked out by an MD. This is pretty sensitive, too. It gets stretched out whenever I get an erection, uh, let alone when I want to do anything with that erection. Um, I pull the foreskin all the way back without too much difficulty or discomfort, but any stretching or thrusting beyond that becomes increasingly painful and prevents me from having sex, let alone being fully in betwixt my lady's legs. Uh, So, there's my problem. Here's my question. What the fuck do I do? Uh, How can I help this heal completely so that the sex we aren't having can again rock the world of my girlfriend and I? Uh, Are there any resources for people who have been so into fucking that they forgot not to break the genitalia? Do I need to go to a doctor who doesn't care that I don't have insurance? Where can I go? No, I don't plan on ever having sex in a shower again. Fuck that. The tech savvy at risk youth are impressed that you use the word betwixt in a sentence about your cock. Uh, You just have to give it time. Uh, Keep it moist. Keep it clean. uh, Be gentle with it. Perhaps for the time being, you can't slam away at the girlfriend uh, like you usually would. And it's just going to take a little time to heal. And in the future, don't uh, fuck in the shower. Don't <laughs> do the same thing again. As for the doctor issue, you might benefit from going to a doctor. You say you don't have insurance. It always kind of amazes me when people, uh, you know, it's a tragedy. America, what the fuck? Everyone should have universal health care. But sometimes people say, I can't go to the doctor because I don't have insurance. When the problem they need to see the doctor about is really a one-visit affair where the doctor will take a look. And if you've really seriously damaged yourself and you need to be stitched up, that can be arranged. And at most, it'll cost a couple hundred bucks. And isn't your dick worth it, really? You're not going in because you need you know, a year's worth of chemotherapy that you couldn't possibly pay for because you have no health insurance. Uh, you're going in just to have something looked at for, for the peace of mind that hearing a doctor say it will heal in time, leave it alone, keep it clean, keep it moist. 
that might be worth the 100 bucks, 200 bucks that a doctor may charge you for that kind of scheduled visit. And I would recommend that you go see a doctor even if it costs 100 bucks or a couple hundred bucks out of pocket because you really it's not a kidney. You only have one cock. If something really seriously is wrong with your cock, even if you don't have insurance, you might want to find out about it right now. I don't think something very seriously is wrong. I think it's just going to take some time uh, off, <laughs> time and time off uh, and time out of the girlfriend with the dick. No dick in the girlfriend for now. Uh, and, and it'll heal. But best to be on the safe side. Might be worth the investment to see a doctor, even if you don't have insurance. Hey, Dan. Uh, my name is Dave. I uh, live in Connecticut, 32 years old, um, hetero. Uh, I just had a, um, a quick question. I went to a um, rest area a couple months ago, and I was uh, using the urinal, and the guy next to me like kept glancing over at me. Um, and so I, I just kind of like looked over his face, and then in my peripheral vision, I saw what looked like he was holding like a... Um, a soup can um, down at the urinal. So I glanced down, and it turned out it was, his, in fact, his penis, and it was, um, you know, maybe five inches long, and then just an enormous girth, like a like soup can size. So um, I, it made me think about. I, I just felt kind of bad for the guy that must be, you know, hard to get any activity with that. Um, um, so I just was wondering if there, you had any other information about it, just out of curiosity. I've been a gay guy forever and peeing in urinals and in public, uh, rest stops at baseball stadiums. And I've never actually seen somebody else's cock in one of those places. I've never actually glanced down and over, even if somebody was looking at me strangely. Maybe I'm just inhibited because I don't want to look at their dicks lest they think I'm gay and kill me. But I've never really looked – like for all I know, everybody who's ever stepped up to a urinal next to me has had one of these mysterious soup can cocks, perhaps even a pony keg cock for all I know, right? Big as round of their thighs. I, I'm just curious as to why you're checking out cock. And, but I'm not saying you're gay. I'm not one of those gay guys who thinks all other guys are gay. Uh, and maybe gay guys don't need to check out cock in public restrooms because we can check out cock uh, in our bed. You know, we see plenty of cock. We don't have to uh, compare and contrast – uh, in public restrooms. Maybe that's the only opportunity you straight guys have for comparison and contrast sessions. I don't understand your question, however. You want to know... Yeah, it's, it might be... Too, the guy's thick. It might be hard for him to, to work that in to someone who may be amenable to having something worked into them. Not you, not a straight guy at the next year. Oh, maybe if it was a gay guy at the next year. You know, a mouth's open pretty wide. Some orifices are ginormous. You don't really need to worry over much about him. Your, 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 your tender heartedness, your compassion, your concern for your fellow human being, this creepy guy at the bathroom is waggling his dick at you is touching it really is i'm i'm impressed that after this experience you were left with this desire to reach out to me about him because you were worried about his chances of ever getting that in i'm just gonna leave it there you're not a lot of the calls here freak me out and creep me out, but 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 you managed to do. Not, I'm never taking a pee in a public restroom again because I don't want to pee next to you, lest I get a call about 
what my deck looks like. Hi, Dan. Uh, my question or my concern is, I have a friend. I live in a city that has a lot of gay people in it. To say that, there's tons of gay people. You can walk down the street and have sex at any moment. Um, and I have a friend who we're both around the, between the mid-20s, young, fun, both come, and um, he likes to have unprotected sex with people. And um, like people who seem pretty much like you're like, you're that person most likely positive. They have like an AIDS tattoo, you know, like making decisions, not just like, oh, I'm going to just like randomly. It's like he seems to be having sex with people who are like known to be positive. Not like he's gunning for them, but like that doesn't stop him, I guess is what I'm saying. And he's a top. So he's doing all the fucking and tapping, but like my friends and I have had to try to have conversations with him about it. He gets defensive and kind of shuts down and, and he says that condoms just suck that because he's feeling for him. They, you know, he's too big to come whatever, make it hard for him to have hard on and like, oh, you know, typical complaints which are valid to a point. But um, I can guess that you would say something about like, well, sit him down, slap him around, tell him to stop and whatever. I just, I don't want to give up because I also feel like it's socially irresponsible to not stop my friend from doing this, having unsafe sex all over the place. Like, it's not just him that I'm concerned about, it's his partners and like this community of faggots in which I travel as well and people I care about travel in. And I just I think it's bad behavior and it leads to bad behavior. Um, what do we do? What do we do? How do we do it? Make him stop. Young, fun, and full of cum. No, no, no. Young, dumb, and full of cum is the expression, and it applies in your friend's case. Uh, two general points. People who say that they can't feel anything with the condom on, how often have you heard from people who say they didn't realize the condom broke and they kept going? Which points to the fact that Condom on, condom off. The feeling isn't that different when you're fucking, when you're really going at it. Uh, if you don't know it's not there, then you shouldn't. it shouldn't really bother you too much that it is there. And too big, that's what female condoms are for. Avanti, female polyurethane condoms, trash can liners. Uh, for the boys he's fucking, you stuff them in and then you fuck away and they're ginormous. Uh, so he really has no excuse. What do you do? It sounds like you've done everything you can. You've tried to talk sense to him. He will not uh, be talked to. He will not be talked down. He will not take responsibility for himself or his sex partners. All that's left now, the only leverage you have, is your presence in his life. I wouldn't be friends with a guy who conducted himself the way your friend conducts himself. You know, I I wouldn't be friends with a guy who got shit-faced drunk and fell off a bar stool every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night. I wouldn't be friends with a guy who sold crystal meth. I wouldn't be friends with a guy who was addicted to crystal meth. I wouldn't be friends with a guy who had indiscriminate, promiscuous, unprotected sex, putting himself at risk and all of his partners at risk and the, you know, broader gay community at risk and ultimately you at risk, right? Because you're part of that community. How little must he think of you and his sex partners and himself, really, if he conducts himself in this way? Why are you his friend? Isn't there some sort of baseline ethical conduct that the people in your life have to hew to to qualify to be the people in your life? I would hope so. And you can't just give him a pass because it's his sex life and we all have a right and blah, blah, blah. No. You know, a lot of gay people hide behind that. You know, they said being gay was wrong, so you're saying me doing X is wrong. 
Uh, and I, I don't mean ecstasy. I mean, you know, X, Y, or Z, wrong is wrong. And, you know, it was wrong when they said being gay is wrong. It's wrong for you to tell me anything is wrong. Well, that's just not true. They're wrong about being gay being wrong. Uh, it's not wrong to expect someone to treat other people, what is that phrase, the way they themselves would like to be treated, right? The golden rule. It applies to fags too. It's basically the only thing in the whole goddamn Bible that's worth the paper it's printed on. And it applies to fags too. You need to not be a piece of shit and you need to not hang out with people who are pieces of shit. And he's revealed himself to be a piece of shit. And until he starts paying a social price, until there are consequences for his actions, he's not going to change. One of those consequences could be losing your friendship and your companionship and your ear and your time. And I think you should withdraw all four as soon as possible. Hi, Dan. I love your show. I just want to hear your opinion on why homosexuals change their appearance uh, after they come out and how common that is. Do you, would you say that it's a high percentage? And yeah, why, is, why does that happen? Sometimes people, when their friends come out as gay, note that their friends' mannerisms change and their voice changes. And in your case, apparently their costumes changed. And they think, what is it about being gay that, you know, they have to get a gay voice and start acting so gay? And what you don't seem to realize is before they came out, they were what? They were closeted. They were pretending to be straight. A lot of young gay people, when they are closeted, are absolutely paranoid about being perceived as gay. And they police themselves. They police their mannerisms. They police, you know, the sound of their voice. They, they worry about what they wear and whether it looks too gay. And then when they come out, they don't have to worry about that shit anymore because now everybody knows they're gay. And so they don't have to, you know, make, make sure they always mumble in a flat monotone like straight guys are supposed to do. Or they only wear, you know, straight guy uniforms. They don't wear anything flashy. Uh, and, and, you know, that they, they can now flip their wrists up in the air and like they don't even care because they're fags and everybody knows it. So it's not that they've changed. It's that now they've given themselves permission to be who they always were. The costume and the fake mannerisms was what they were doing before they came out the, the fake voice isn't their new gay voice the fake voice was the mumbly monotone that they maintained uh, as a disguise so it's not like your friend is you know wearing different clothes now uh, because he's in the gay club it's that your friend is now wearing what he wants to wear what he probably always wanted to wear and couldn't give himself permission to wear because people might what they might think he was a fag if he wore the flashy shirt or whatever it is or the harness or the mesh underpants or whatever it is your friends are wearing now that they're gay. And it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Yes, some gay kids when they first come out go a little fucking overboard because they've been bottled up so long and worried about being perceived as gay so long uh, that they go a little nuts when they come out and – you know, their gay voice, their real voice is super extra gay because they want everybody to know now. And so they crank it up a little bit. Same with the, you know, the outfits and the attitude. And, and they'll come calm down a bit in time. But their voice is always going to be a little freer and a little gayer than it was when they were absolutely paralyzed with fear uh, and policing every gesture, every intonation, every T-shirt for evidence of gayness. Now that they're out, they're free, they're free. And so that's why homos sometimes change their appearance, says when they come out, they're, because they're finally allowing themselves to be who and what they are without worrying necessarily about what you think.
hi, I just wanted to respond to Dan's comment to the man who was living in a sexless marriage about how some women seem to, I think, as he put it, go fallow for the years after they have children. And, you know, I love your show, Dan, but that comment just made my blood boil. I mean, why do guys think that women go fallow after they have children? It's because of husbands who just place all the burdens of home and child rearing on their wives and treat them like they're their nursemaids and their maids and then expect them to be there, you know, provide sexual services on top of that. I mean, I got to say, like, I usually am not this bitter about this, but, and, and personally, I'm actually in a pretty happy situation. I have a young child and all things considered, we're doing pretty good. We have a happy sex life. Um, and I'm overall, you know, fairly satisfied with how we divide the burdens in our home. But, boy, have I seen things change after having children, especially in the first year. I really felt abandoned by my husband in all of the child-raising responsibilities, and I felt no support. You know, I would see him go out every weekend to do his activities and keep up his life like nothing had changed, and meanwhile, like, I never had time to go to the gym or continue the activities that I loved, and... You know, how can men expect their wives to put out for them when we're exhausted and we feel like we're not respected in our relationship? You know, men know that we're upset about this, and yet they feel like they're still entitled to the same type of sexual performance. But, you know, for a lot of women, sex doesn't happen in a vacuum. And if we're feeling exhausted and resentful, it's not going to put us in a sexy mood or want to, you know, give it up to our husbands. So for men out there who feel like they're being denied sex by their wives, I would say first look around and see if there is an equal division of labor in your home. And if there isn't, you know, try helping out a little bit more and carrying your share of the load for a month or two and then see if her attitude will change. I guess what I meant by the go fallow comment wasn't that women were doing anything wrong necessarily. You know, you just spit a human being out of your vagina and it's going to take some time to recover physically, emotionally, hormonally. I think women have kind of a right to go fallow. I've told guys whose wives have just had babies or girlfriends have just had babies that they really aren't in a position to make a lot of sexual demands, that they got to give the wife or the girlfriend some time to ramp back up. I certainly think that guys who take their wives and girlfriends for granted are pieces of shit. And I have said so many times, uh, I feel like my head's going to fall off, that people need to make time to go to the gym and, they, and you know he needs to make sure that she has time away from the baby. It's hard, though, in the first year, particularly uh, if a woman is breastfeeding, for there to be a lot of time away for her. And uh, you know, the wife or, or the girlfriend, I think, in that situation has to accept, and so does the husband, that that's just a function of biology. It's sort of an unavoidable demand on her time that doesn't exist on his time and tip. You can pump, you can put uh, breast milk in the fridge, he can take over feedings, and he fucking should. And you should make that demand and make it explicit. You know, I do think that... And, you know, you generalize about 3 billion men, 3 billion women. There'll be tens of millions of exceptions. I apologize to the exceptions in advance. I do think from, you know, reading the mail and what I've witnessed that oftentimes women want their minds read. 
and they don't want to have to say you need to do X, Y, and Z if you expect me to fuck you and Z, right? So you need to say to him, I need to get to the goddamn gym or I'm going to lose my mind and I'm never going to fuck you ever again. So here's the baby and I'll be back in three hours. You just need to say it that explicitly that he didn't intuit that, that he didn't suggest that. You can't resent him for that, that it wasn't his idea to send you to the gym. You can resent him if you say that and then he says, oh, I'm sorry, I made plans to go for a bike ride with my bike riding club or I can't tonight or tomorrow night or tonight. If you say it and he isn't accommodating, be resentful and cut him off. But if you don't say it and it doesn't occur to him, he's just dense like so many men, including me, are generalizing about men now. So we'll even, right? But you got to communicate what it is you need uh, from him, particularly if what he needs from you is dependent upon you getting what you need from him so that everybody's happy but don't stew don't stew don't have these thoughts playing in your head without saying them out loud your partner whether you're male or female cannot read your mind hey dan this is a comment for the bondage phobic feminist in episode 152 uh you know i would just like to remind her that the point of feminism was that women should do what they want with their bodies so she actually owes it to her feminist mothers and sisters to get tied up and let this guy fuck her. Well said. I wish I, ha- I wish I had it in me to be that succinct, but I don't. I go on and on and on and on. And on. Hi. I uh, love the show. This is in regards to a caller uh, from episode 153 who wanted to know uh, where she could find porn that she didn't find degrading to women. Um, one site I wanted to... Uh, offer up was Jane's Guide, uh, J-A-N-E-S, and then Guide, all one word, dot com, and that is a great site, um, founded by uh, Jane Duvall, and it's got many different categories of porn, and most of the reviews are written by women, and uh, they've got just about every kind of porn site there reviewed that you can imagine. Um, it's a it's a great resource. Uh, the reviews and the writing's great, and um, yeah, I highly recommend it. Thanks very much for the call and the suggestion. Everyone should check it out. We're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a call for a future show, give us a buzz. 206-201-2720. Leave a callback number in case we have a follow-up question. You download us every week at thestranger.com. I blog every day, including the Savage Love Letter of the Day at slog.thestranger.com. And me and the tech savvy at risk youth will be back at you next week. Another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.